0: A man with a gypsy soul who attends Burning Man every year and has a love for the VW bus joins us for this electrifying episode. Stay tuned. Welcome to RV Out West. I'm your host, Brooks. My family of four's base camp is located in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and our RV adventures radiate out from there. Please grab a mug of coffee and join us as we discuss RVing around the American West. From sweet camping spots, gear and equipment, to tips and tricks, we've got you covered. We are RV Out West. I got my taste of early RV life in a 1978 Volkswagen camper bus. With its 2-liter fuel-injected engine, I drove Athena across this great country two times through 37 states, and I even took her with me when I moved to the U.S. Virgin Islands back in 1999. Today, I pull a travel trailer with a bit more creature comforts, but that wanderlust spirit still remains strong. I'm thrilled to share that we are chatting with Harley, the CEO of Peace Vans, in this episode. Harley is the epitome of the entrepreneurial and the vagabond spirit, all rolled up into one. He will share his thirst for adventure, both in life and in his businesses, as well as how important his community is with his clients, his friends, and his family. Harley, thank you so much for joining us on RV Out West.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. I, I can't help but notice you have a Bowie sweatshirt hoodie. And then what's your T-shirt? Is that a Descend on Ben? No, that's a Descendants. Descendant. Okay, got it. Cool. Classic
0: punk rock, you know? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally
1: love it. Good job. Yeah. Um,
0: So I'm excited to chat with you. I uh, have had two buses. I had nice. a 78 uh, camper type two, uh, two liter, and <laughs> I drove Athena through 32 states and to wow. a U.S. territory. And I wow. left her in a U.S. territory. She now lives in the U.S. Virgin Islands.
1: Cool. Great story. Yeah, that's the great thing about PeaceFans. Everyone's got a story. Like every single one of our customers or People we interact with, or you know, it's just so funny. I mean, even today, you know, like I met with a seventy-something couple, and you know, they're regaling me with tales from you know their youth. Or, or we had a renter drop off yesterday, and this guy, thirty years ago, him and his wife did a Vanagon trip for their honeymoon. Thirty years ago, and they've not been in a Volkswagen vehicle since then. You know, and so they did a week-long rental, like, and it was just. You know, I mean, I was just like, Are you serious? Like, this is like your 30-year wedding anniversary trip. And you yeah, know, I don't think the wife was that excited about it, but he was stoked.
0: That's fun. So tell me a bit about kind of what is it for VW buses for you specifically that resonated and why you started Peace Fans?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's it's kind of the it's kind of that classic Victor Kayam story about the Remington Razor thing. Like, I liked the company so much, I bought it you know, I mean, it's classic thing. Like I always wanted, I'm 55 now. I always wanted a VW bus, like, you know, in college, you know, post-college. And I just never pulled the trigger. And then I was in Baja in my twenties and seeing all these buses and, you know, just lusting after them literally. And then, you know, in, when I was in my early forties, my daughter was born. Um, she's now 13. And I was just like, oh my God, I need to start like, like, you know, realizing some of these, these dreams, Um, not some, but this was a dream I always wanted. So I went out and I found a Volkswagen van again, purchased it. And there's the classic story where, you know, I, I was living in Seattle where I currently still live and trying to find someone to work on my van again. And everyone, I took the vehicle to, they all sucked. You know, all the mechanics were, they didn't return phone calls. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't want to work on it. They worked on it, but they broke more things than they fixed. You know, it was just like, it was crazy. And at that point, like, you know, like there was the resurgence was happening in the VW stuff. This was like, you know, 2010. And like I had a lot of friends that had similar vehicles and we were all willing to spend a bunch of money on them. And so uh, there was a teeny little shop and it was called Peace Fan. So I didn't really start it, but I was like a customer and the owner was crazy. And he was going to close the doors. And I was like, don't close the doors. Like, you have two, he, there were four employees at the time, and two of them were really good, and two of them were really kind of weak. And um, I said, don't close the doors. Like, it's a great name. Uh, you've got a really interesting lease. And worst case, I'll have someone to always work on my VW van. You know, at the time, I was doing a bunch of other small businesses. And, you know, how I know something is a good idea is when I come home to my wife and tell my wife, You know, I'm going to take over this VW shop. And she's like, that's fucking crazy. And I was like, that's a sign that this is I'm on the right path. And, you know, I mean, I I thought it'd be a little side hustle. You know, I thought it'd be a fun thing to own. I'm really into marketing and brand stuff. Um, I'm not a mechanic, but I'm really into like running small businesses and building community and creating space for people to you know just just enjoy themselves that's kind of what i do i'm a connector type and so peace fans i thought would be a little side hustle and someone to work on my van and i kind of knew there was potential in there but yeah really in about a year time we quickly became like known as like the best shop in seattle two years became known as like probably one of the best shops in the country um and then in around the year four four or five i started like adding other businesses. And, you know, now we're a family of five different businesses. We have almost 30 employees. And we occupy four different buildings, about 25,000 square feet. You know, where our tentacles spread everywhere. It's been incredibly rewarding to create a space and uh, an opportunity for people to connect. And it just so happens that like the product we offer, I'm passionate about too, just camper vans and getting outside and camping and road trips in general. Like I have this whole philosophy around road trips as like this, you know, like this spiritual quest almost. Like nothing, there's no other vacation like a road trip. You know the the potentiality of a, you know the 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 serendipity of a road trip is unlike anything else. You know, and so to be able to empower people to go on road trips and have road trips and you know, all that is just I just feel you know I'm not religious but I feel blessed. So it's it's been a fantastic journey, no pun intended.
0: I could not agree more with you about road trips. So quick segue, what is your favorite road novel?
1: You know, that's a really good question. I mean, it all started with, you know, On the Road and Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. You know, like I read both those in my 20s and I was just like blown away. You know, so those two are sort of the canonical ones. I read uh, Lincoln Highway recently, I think it was called. It was a novel. Who wrote that book? And then let me think. That's a really good question. Uh, Amos Towsley, I think. I'll, I'll dig it up for you. You know, Blue Highways. Yeah. Um, but I just love reading, you know, books about destination. And I have this whole theory, like, you know, a wrote, you know, I don't know if you've studied Jungian psychology or anything, but like the concept of archetypes. And like a, the road trip is like an American archetype. It is.
0: It's quintessential Americana.
1: Yeah. Starting with like the pilgrims coming over and manifest destiny and unfortunately like conquering the West and, but the great migration from South to North and then, you know, the, the highway system and then Kerouac in the sixties and,
0: and the mother road route 66. I mean, going, you know,
1: exactly. Yeah. And, and it's really, it's in, it's in um, the American blood. And I think, I think it cuts across all like political classes too. Um, Everyone loves a road trip. So I haven't really tested that, but my gut tells me like it could be a unifier.
0: I believe it. I believe it. My favorite road novel is Steinbeck's Travels with Charlie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Of course. Yeah. And so the opening of that book, to your point, when he talks about road trips and talks about the road with the capital R taking on its own life of its own, and you can't be a, you know, a bum and plan and do this because you're going to break down. You're going to, Do this, that, and have these things happen to you. And so you can't. And I just love that whole way he personifies the road and a road trip. It's great.
1: Yeah. So I passionately believe that. And so to have a business, you know, that like that enables that and empowers people to experience that, I just feel so uh, lucky. And then tethered to the VW thing, you know, the VW is, you know, you've recounted it in your opening segue, like. There's no more iconic emotional brand experience, you know, than that that VW bus.
0: Well, I want to ask you about your electric conversions. Are you doing that just of buses, or are you doing that of Westies? Like, kind of, I refer to the '80s Vanagon as the Westie, but yeah, you Westie.
1: Know. Yeah, we're very ambitious in that field. We really. I was just meeting with someone today who's very knowledgeable and experienced in the field, and you know, works with some of the leaders down in Southern California. And he was just like, wow, you guys are like way ahead of the game. Just with our ambition, I really believe in that market. And it's the next big business for Peace fans. So right now we are focused on air-cooled, you know, Carmen um, gias things, uh, split window buses and bay window buses. You do have, there's, there's it's still like super expensive. The batteries, you know, we're using Tesla modules and the range is not great. So it's most. So the people pursuing the projects right now—they've owned a bus for 50 years. I always talk about, you know, like, um, you know, they—they—they they, they have a place on Orcas. Their bus lives on Orcas. They just want to drive around the island and maybe go over to Anacortis or something, and you know, so because we can really affordably for which, unfortunately, is about 50 thousand dollars you can get about 80 or 90 miles of range you know most people in a van again or a westia later model vw they want they want to go on real road trips they want to do 200 250 miles they want comparable range to their internal combustion setup and right now we can do those and we're doing a few demos but the parts alone are about 75 80 grand because we're using full tesla drivetrain you know to drive push a tesla motor you need 400 volts which is a minimum of 14 batteries and it just adds up. We're optimistic over the next two years, you know, we'll, prices will come down, but it's super fun. I mean, just today we went for a test drive in a customer's vehicle. It's a 77 bay window bus. And I mean, the thing is just like, I mean, it's like zero to 60 in three seconds, um, you know, top speeds probably 80 miles an hour, which we don't recommend. And it's just super reliable and super clean. And it's a really, really cool conversion. And he went, you know, he had enough budget to get a 10 battery pack. So he'll have about 140 miles range in his bus.
0: We're going to pause here and hear a word from this episode's sponsor, RV Destination Magazine. RV Destinations Magazine is the premier provider of nationwide RV Destination articles, sharing stories about the places you want to see for yourself. Subscribe today for digital or their new print magazine at rvdestinationmagazine.com. I want to talk to you about. Burning Man.
1: Oh, yeah. So,
0: uh, not only do I want to hear about your experiences this year in 2023 from your own personal experiences, based on what I was reading on the news about uh,
1: Mm -hmm. the
0: floods and the rain and the water. But let's before we get to that, I'd like to hear a bit about kind of your mutant vehicles that you have built in the past, like you did the the combi bus, I believe, and then you did the lemonade stand with your daughter. So. Tell me a bit about some of those mutant vehicles that you built. And also, uh, just briefly, kind of, you've been going to Burning Man now for
1: 20 plus years, if I recall. Yeah. Yeah. So Burning Man, I was lucky enough to be in San Francisco in the 90s when Burning Man emerged. And it was really interesting. Like some of my closest friends were really good friends with the founders. And, you know, they used to, have parties and I'd go to their parties in Oakland. And the founders of Burning Man would be at these parties, and they were the creeps in the corner. And my friends were like, This is 94. My friends were like, Hey, we're gonna go out to the desert with the cacophony society and do this camping trip. And it's a it's called a zone trip. And I was like, There's no, no fucking way I'm going. Those guys are so weird. Every year they were like, You gotta go. This is like insane out there. And I finally, in 98, I had the opportunity to go, like timing worked and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll fricking go. And I was like, oh my God, this is like insanity. This is like so much fun and so surreal. And, you know, it was just, it was really, it was really just off the chart. It became kind of a life project for me. So it's been 26 years. I'm one of the longest continuously attending people. There's probably, probably a few hundred people that have gone as many years And then there's probably under a hundred people that have gone as many years continuously. And so, you know, I've been witness to, you know, Burning Man's a massive worldwide cultural event. I do think it's somewhat waning in its influence over the last like five to seven years, but through the early 2000s and even into the, you know, 2010s, I mean, Burning Man exerted a tremendous amount of influence on music, culture, art, politics around the world. Really what I do is um, I build community, you know, I bring people together and, Burning Man, you know, I was able to do that on a a micro level within a container that does it on a macro level. So I created something called a theme camp and ran that very successfully for many years. And then, you know, like mutant vehicles are this whole thing at Burning Man. You know, if you're into vehicles, like the mutant vehicle scene at Burning Man is this whole subculture. And it's amazing. And it started with, you know, there were art cars before Burning Man, you know, people gluing shit on their cars and doing crazy shit. So I really became enamored of doing one. They're hugely complex projects. So my first one was a hearse. I don't even know what year it was. It was some like Ford hearse conversion that we like cut the back off and turned it into like an open casket vibe. And then the second one was a much larger project. It was a school bus. Um, and that was with a collective of people, where we turned that into like a double decker party bus with huge sound system and crazed out interior. And then over the last couple of years, you know, I started bringing my daughter, and that's where I took an old Vanagon, and that was actually our first electric project. Um, we shaved it down to the chassis, and we rebuilt it as a lemon, <clears throat> and it was kind of a pun because, as we all know, the Vanagon is like the one of the biggest lemon cars that ever existed. So, yeah, I really, I built this car and it just was a tremendous amount of fun. And and it gave my team a little bit of experience with electric conversions. And that was kind of that was in 2019. And we're like, this is actually like not as complicated as, as it's made out to be. I and mean, there's a lot of complexity in it, in it. And as we're making production vehicles for customers, there's a lot of like edge cases we're solving for that add to the complexity. But the core technology is fairly simple. You know, it's high voltage. You have to be careful and know what you're doing. But once they work, you know, electric cars, you know, they're pretty bulletproof. So, yeah, so Burning Man. And then this year, it was was awesome. It was really, truly, you know, like in 26 years, it was, I've never seen weather like that. And some people were saying, well, 2014 was worse. And, you know, it's bullshit. You know, I was there in 2014. It was nothing. It was 2014 was nothing compared to 2023. Um, But the best part was like the community came together. I mean, Burning Man, people that go to Burning Man are some of the most resourceful, um, best equipped, you know, community focused people. So there was no shortage of anything anywhere, you know, and there was, I mean, I use the example, you were a little stuck because the mud is so so silty and the dust is so fine. So when it rains, you really can't walk more than a hundred yards, like the amount of mud that accumulates, it's very intense. So you're really confined to like your immediate neighborhood, um, which created these these awesome opportunities to really get to know your neighbors and party with them. And like we had a wood fired pizza pizza place down the street from us, and they were prepared to serve like 2000 people over the weekend. But because no one could go anywhere like they were their, their audience was like 200. So they were just cranking out pizzas for the entire neighborhood. And we had a lot of fun. It started to rain on Friday, and it rained all night, Friday night. And Saturday morning, we were in a much larger group. We were in this, this collective called Kidsville, which is a group of about 80 different groups. And there's about 400 kids and about 800 people total.
0: How was it getting out when the time finally came and they gave the green light?
1: It was fine. We waited eight hours, but that's not atypical. You know, I mean, it's not unusual if you leave the event at a peak time during a normal year. You could wait six to eight hours in line to get out.
0: Are there many RVs?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, there's thousands, thousands of RVs there thousands of RVs um, and uh, and you know and the line out was actually quite fun. We were in line from twelve noon till eight o'clock. It was a beautiful day. and they the way they move the line is they use a system called pulsing, where you know you're sitting there and you turn your car off and they're like, you're gonna you're not gonna move for an hour. And then these 1,000 cars are going to move a half mile and that's it. And then you're going to turn your car off for another hour. And so you party and you hang out and you climb on top of the RVs. And it's not like you're sitting there like moving a foot at a time, like stopping at five. It's actually quite organized. And you know, there's predictability. You're like, oh, in you know, I'm going to move a half mile in an hour and that's all I'm going to move. So it's kind of cool.
0: That's great. I'm glad that you guys had a, a wonderful family trip. That's awesome. Yeah. So speaking of family trips or just trips in general, I would like to talk about some of your favorite places to go camping in the Pacific Northwest.
1: I mean, the number one place is we hop across over to the, the Olympic Peninsula. I mean, there's just, so, you know, it's like, it still astounds me. I mean, the Olympic Peninsula has a rainforest, a mountain range, rocky beaches, sandy beaches, It has a desert, like the town of Squim is technically a desert. It has tide pools. It has old growth forests. It has, it has hot springs, you know, I mean, like, it's just insane. Like, like, I think people forget the diversity of activity and topography and geography and in the Olympic Peninsula. So like, it's like, you can pretty much go any direction and have a fantastic experience. So I just love, and it's so easy. You know, you just hop from Seattle, you hop on the ferry, one of two ferries, you know, you can take Bainbridge or you can take, you know, the Kingston Edmonds one um, and you're pretty much an hour more and you're into the park. Um, I really like going to the coast, you know, up to Nia Bay or um, we actually have a private campsite. We lease out on the near Calais And that's like my go-to space. Like I'll, I really need to get away for a couple nights and just think and be alone and be on the you know just the bluff. I'll head out to that campsite and just park it. And it's you know that site is usually pretty rainy and and wet. But that's okay. You know, it's it's I you know like hey, you just still, plan for it. Yeah, you that's plan for it and yeah. you know occasionally like it will break and you know, you know going in it's going to be moist. My favorite time to camp actually
0: is now. Yeah. Like September, October, oh, yeah. November is my favorite time to camp. And then like March through May yeah. is really like, I love the shoulder seasons yeah. more so than the summer. Yeah, it's just
1: too, it gets super busy in the summers, you know, lately. And it's really, you know, we have a whole list of off the grid camp sites and coordinates and GPS locations. And those are wonderful and they're great. But even those like every once in a while, we're getting to our secret spots and we're like, Oh, you know, someone's, someone's already been, here. Yeah. Someone's been here or someone's here, you know? Yeah. Um, so and then I really I just have a really emotional connection to Mount Rainier. Uh, yep. I just, you know, like like I just uh, am drawn to that destination. There's not as much access for road trips up there, but, you know, just for hiking and overnight backpacking. there's just a lot to do. And so those are those are two of my go to places in the Pacific Northwest. A little further afield, I'm really a big fan of um, Eastern Oregon. You know, the east of Bend and south of Bend. Um, yep. There's just, it's just outstanding, you know, what what happens, you know, on that in that high desert area.
0: Sisters, Painted Hills, exactly. all of that. Yeah, area. Summer yeah. Lake,
1: just all those towns, the Elver Desert, even. It's spectacular.
0: So tell me a bit about the different facets, because I know you have Peace Vans rentals. Yep. You have the Peace Van mechanic side of fixing and working on the V dubs. Mm-hmm. You have the Mercedes Metris yep. conversion kind of sales yep. piece of the puzzle, and then you have now the budding electric, electric.
1: Yep, yeah. So we're family businesses, and they each play a different role. And they each overlap. You know, the rentals provides us with the ability to give people from out of state and out of the country like a peace fans experience. You know, to come out to the Pacific Northwest or Baja now, and really see the best corner of America in a, you know, like a camper van and provide a super high touch, highly supported experience. You know, we curate the trips for people, you know, the rentals are impeccable. Um, You know, we have private campsites we can give you access to. So like, I'm really passionate about that business. And it's really, you know, we really like to, again, going back to what I've said a few times, we like to create experiences for people and create connection and community. And so this rental program is just, It's, it's, it's a small business relative to the other businesses, but we get to touch a lot of people and the stories, you know, are just legion, you know, like, like in the peak summer when we're really burned out, you know, like it's like turn after turn after turn, we always take a day and we pause and we read through the guest books. Oh, fun. And, you know, and we just like, you know, it's a mandatory, we sit there and we pass them around and we read through and we're like, oh, wow, we're changing people's lives. That's, that's worth it
0: that is so cool so real quick so from a guest experience what kind of things do they need to bring if they've rented a um a van again a westie from
1: you like do they need to bring sleeping bags and or mess kits on it just close nothing and just buy some food on the way out of town and even that like we can we can source like the first night or two for you if you really want but the vans come with everything you need you know the linens are optional some people like to bring their own Mm -hmm. stuff but if you want a hundred percent turnkey, there's over a, I think there's 126 items we include in the van. So
0: you have it all decked out. I mean, it's ready to just turnkey and go.
1: Everything and everything is extremely well thought out. Um, That's great. And it's and it's all and we cycle the stuff every year, if not mid year. So you're not getting, you know, dented, worn, dinged up things. Like we're we we do many runs each year to Goodwill, just to donate, you know, lightly used gear where
0: can people find peace fans uh on social and out on the interwebs so they can learn more about your
1: yeah the business? best the best way to stay connected with us is um you know peacefans.com that's kind of the mothership all the businesses are there yeah on social media we really you know we spend a lot of time on instagram you know peace fans at peace fans and then we do have a youtube channel where we put out a lot of um, a lot of marketing content but also some educational content so those are really the three primary areas to touch we always encourage people to go to the website first and to find what floats their boat so to speak you know is it a rental do they want to buy one of our brand new mercedes camper vans are they looking for a more vintage experience or you know they the rare beast right now that's like want to cut the check and convert their vintage vw to electric
0: well, Harley, thank you so much again for taking the time yeah, to Brooks, join this us. This
1: has been a ton of fun. Like I, I really appreciate I love it. that you opened with a VW story. I mean, it's it's just really just it's such a it's such a wonderful community. There's so much uh heart in that community and it's such a privilege to have a business that's anchored in it. Even though we've grown beyond that, uh, but to have that as our core, it feels like um you know, my life's work. So I feel really lucky.
0: Yeah, well, thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I'm glad we finally got together.
0: Please remember that RV Destinations Magazine is offering a discount code for RV Out West listeners. Just use code RVOUTWEST10 to receive 10% off a subscription. You can sign up on their website at rvdestinationsmagazine.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like me to discuss, please contact me via rvoutwest.com. I would also encourage you to start using hashtag RVOutWest for your social media posts. Share with our community about your camping and RV adventures that you've taken here in the Pacific Northwest. Our next episode, we will be chatting about all things Tacoma RV Show. We sit down and have a little fireside chat with the show's producers to talk about the state of the RV industry in Washington State and the Pacific Northwest, as well as what you can expect if you plan to hit up the show. It will be a very informative episode. Thanks so much for listening to RV Out West. Join us again in two weeks with our next episode. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And I sure would appreciate if you left a rating or a review of the show. Special thanks to Scott Holmes Music for providing the intro song, We Are One. RV Out West can be found on Instagram and Facebook, where you can interact with us and follow along on our RV adventures around the Pacific Northwest. So get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon.